Hey Jeff. Hey Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Another great week for It's The Real. How could it not be another great week for It's The Real? I mean, I could, I could come up with like some some ways off the top of my head that it couldn't be a good week. We could have gotten the swine flu. That would have been a bad week for It's The Real. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could have gotten like a flat tire. That would also be a bad week for It's The Real. We could have gotten stuck underground on a train, which is more no, likely. No, you know what though? We, that happened to us and that still didn't deter a good week. Right, so you know what? <laughs> I don't think there's anything but a good week for It's The Real. Every week is good for It's The Real. Yeah. This past week, we had a great episode of A Waste of Time with It's The Real, starting off with Kamaya, the Oakland rapper who we're so fond of. Also on that episode, we had our friend Fafu. Yes, uh, Fafu used to be the drum programmer for Prince, the late great Prince. Also this week, you had a you had a pretty horrific experience at the barber. Well, first of all, I don't like talking to my barber. Just generally speaking. Just generally speaking. Not a thing I do. I just like to sit there, take it in, <laughs> and... Well, but you go there, and the first thing you say, and maybe the only thing you say is, like, cut yeah. it short inside. I say, give me a number two fade, and then... Keep it long on top. Long on top. So, simple instructions. Yeah. I feel like I'm very clear. Well, I don't want to confuse them. I mean, okay, so you go across the street, because why? It's easy, right? It's easy. And it's cheap, and this and is a... This is a Barber slash... They sell gold. They <laughs> they also buy gold. Big sign. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, it's not the most reputable place, I guess. I mean, unless you're looking to, you know, yeah, pay know for what, your haircuts in gold. I don't know what their Yelp reviews are, if they're better for buying gold or for getting haircuts. You but, should really check and let's circle back next week. But anyway, you went there. I went there and I sit down in the last seat. The guy came out from behind the gold counter yeah. and was like, hey... So uh, what are we doing today? I said number two fade, keep it long on top. But you don't you don't recognize the guy. This isn't your no, normal guy, as, as far as you know. Well, I walked in there, and everybody who had been working there has now been fired I, for good reason, I'm sure. Probably because they don't sell enough gold. Yeah. And the guy starts cutting my hair, and about halfway through, he does this thing where he slaps the scissors against his comb, and I'm like, oh my god, I remember him. Just like in a movie, he gives that signal. And, and a month before, six weeks before, he'd given me a shitty haircut, and that I was like, "Same slap of the the yeah. comb and the and the scissors." Very intense, and I was so like, "Oh no!" Like, so the light bulb went off a, a, a right above your head, and, and then, then he, he cut it he off. Cut it off, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I still gave him a good tip because I'm. Did you really? Yeah. Well, but so you come home pissed, pissed, not in a good mood. You you walk in, and I look over from my room, and I see you, and you go. I look like well, yeah, I'm I going to a Russian nightclub, and my name is Dimitri. <laughs> well, how you feel now? Less like Dimitri. Mm-hmm. This week on the podcast, we have our friend and the phenomenal writer, Mary H.K. Choi. She's written for Complex and MTV and Wired and the New York Times. And XXL Magazine, most importantly. And she, was, she worked at XXL Magazine under the great Elliot Wilson. Who, yeah. who you all know from Rap Radar. He was at XXL for a long time. She talks about that. She talks about growing up in Texas. She talks about her relationship with her parents and how she's found some sort of emotion from her father because of emojis. If people want to listen to more of these type of podcasts, where can they go, Jeff? They can always go and try and find our SoundCloud. It's so easy to find. It's also open 24 hours a day. Yeah, it never closes. SoundCloud.com slash a waste of time. Also on iTunes, if you search for 
It's the real I T S T H E R E A L. It is the first result because Whoa, look it is at our us. result. Yeah, shouts to us. There's no other. It's the real. There are several of the reals, <laughs> but we are the only. It's the real. Also, if you type in like a waste of time, our stuff will show up. So that's good. That's good. It's great job by us and everyone who's running our our internets. So I don't know. You want to get into this podcast? Yeah, let's do it. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. G5, a.k.a. Battleship Sunk. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Ready for War, a.k.a. 52 Cards. Hi, this is Mary H.K. Choi, a.k.a. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is a waste of time, but this is the real. Whoa, this is like so raucous and exciting. Raucous like a yeah. billboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the record label. Mary, how are you? I'm well. How are you guys? Good. I can't believe you're inviting me into your abode. Well, thanks <laughs> Thanks for coming all the way up yeah, here. Yeah, it's a rarefied vibe. Yeah. yeah. Some people, it's not such a problem. Like, Bodega Bams lives uptown. Like, Smoke Dizzle lives uptown. Um, for you, you're coming from yeah, very I was, far away. <laughs> I was I was shopping earlier. I bought Raph Simmons. Don't judge me. And so I had to, like, bring trail mix and maybe hit an ATM before I came up here. I was sure. like, I don't know what's going to be. Yeah, but... I'm here now. Is there any other reason that you would find yourself on the Upper West Side? Well, actually, my friend Lang Whitaker, who mm-hmm. is phenomenal and makes the best fried chicken, entices me uptown with his chicken. So that's the last <laughs> time I was here. Yeah. But it's so pretty. And this is like the perfect New York porn weather-wise. It really like, is. Yeah. It's like really woody. Do you follow Lior Cohen on Snapchat? I do not. Okay. Oh, big mistake. I know. I know. Yeah. yeah, but I did see him recently at the Crown stage after his health scare. He's back on his feet. Although we got into a taxi cab accident like yesterday. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it we really... need to like have a keep Lior inside. Yeah, sort it's of. all. It really is like Thermopylae. Three hundred <laughs> is real. That's like, crazy. But yeah, he's he looked wonderful. And is he coming here to here? We're I working mean, on it. Yeah, well, I know that that was yeah. the pursuit. And yes. actually, when he fell ill, I was just like, oh, everything is right. like turmoil including <laughs> his health i mean yeah. let's be real like I'm but the number one concern health. is that he won't be on our podcast i was a little bit that was top three for me i'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> but no we're working on it we are working cool. on it yeah so cool. stay tuned yeah businesses it's not booming, booming yet <laughs> but like it's on its way like yeah, we're mean, meeting all of our objectives Le- leora is definitely the grail who is your grail yeah you have That's a podcast excellent question living or dead just kidding posthumous job talk would be really <laughs> just like necro and weird um you know i've i've been thinking about it a lot um i don't know it might be a fashion person it might be a raff obviously um would you wear raff while interviewing no that's just like that's like maybe i'd wear like raff secretly underneath you know just so i know like as a totem you know Mm -hmm. but uh, you can't wear someone's face on a t-shirt to meet them unless it's like you know pablo (laughs) (laughs) i thought about that so dj khaled is on the formation tour now and he's been snapping from the stage wearing the tour shirt there oh it's amazing yeah but like like, is that is that two faces is it a vase what am i looking at (laughs) the reverb it's a vibe is what it it is wait is he wearing the boycott beyonce one no not that one not yet okay he's wearing like a we the best with the tour dates all on the back amazing yeah that's what i love about him everything he turns out is so immediate like he says something and he can like memeify it irl that's why i think like his whole album should just be like all of his sayings like like as titles right like he goes to future and jay-z and is be like uh i don't know um, something cloth talk yeah question mark (laughs) you guys act like he has like real like thought into this i feel like it just like flows through him no no i think he is a vessel I think he is definitely, you know, it's a calling. You can't just like wake up and have that be you. <laughs> you got to climb the mountain, <laughs> weather the storm. That's wow. right. Yeah. Walk through the pathway of more success. Pathway yeah, more totally. yeah. <laughs> so you have a podcast called Hey, hey Cool Job. Yeah. 
And it's awesome. Thank you. That's really kind. Do you want to do it with like regularity or is it just sort of whenever it... Is that shade for how like <laughs> infrequent my podcast is? I'm saying I enjoy podcast? it a lot and I would prefer no, to I download mean, it we weekly. No, we are... Um, more regular insofar as I believe that the time span between Asa Akira coming on and the next one was like three months, question mark, <laughs> shrug emoji. Um, but yeah, I mean, we record monthly now at Red Bull and it is true. I feel somewhat stymied. I think I would love to do it weekly. I would love to do it bi-weekly. I am talking to a number of people who are expressing interest in making that happen. But, you know, I would I would love that. I think that the sort of impetus of me doing the podcast period is that I'm really bad at jobs. And it's, so it's like this thing where it's like almost like, are you my mommy? In that like, I'm like, do you have my job? <laughs> so I want to sort of figure out more about it. And I think that there's kind of a lack of transparency in between what your idea of someone's job is versus what the actual reality is. Totally. Like I love the fact that I could talk to a porn star who also happens to be a friend of mine who also happens to be an author and be like, yo, are you a 1099? Because that sounds nightmarish to me. So yeah, right. so you fuck first, you get paid, and then you got an invoice for <laughs> it. Is you it get like paid one? first? No, you don't get paid first. Oh really? It was clarified that is another profession. She told me <laughs> you're supposed to put it on the on the bedside table in another profession. No, you can't. You get paid same day, but you know there are situations in which you do invoice. I've been doing it wrong this entire time. <laughs> it's true. I've been, I've been paying first. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> Next time, now you know the the more you learn. Yeah, it's true. Our aunt. Uh, Spent her whole is it life. Porn star? No, it's not a porn star. No, she's just trying know. to make it in the business. <laughs> <laughs> but she's gone through like a trillion jobs. Like she was never settled into just like one career. Our dad worked for IBM and worked for Citibank. Like he was a company man. Right, right, right. Our aunt, our mom's sister, worked for like a billion different places. Was never settled. It's so funny. It's like almost like a ghosty. Not in that I'm a model. Just in that I will <laughs> sniff anybody. Someone's like, you want to like break bread and have a coffee? I'm like, sure. You know, I I love to know what's going on. I love to know who's hiring. It's actually really funny because I do I feel like I'm on the on the mind squad for people who are hiring people. So I'm, there is that HR aspect to it just cuz I don't want a job ever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's been really interesting to talk about just like to get an idea of like how much people make cuz it's like you never really find out. Right. And you know, you have an idea like I, would, I was just talking to Noah Callahan Bever who just sold Complex and it's like people I feel like we're really jaded by this notion of people making you know, putting M's on the table, so to speak, or whatever. But it's like, when it's like someone you know who's been working for a decade, and then being able to sort of ask that follow-up, it's like, yeah, was it nerve-wracking? And it's just like, yeah, I didn't sleep at all, and da-da-da-da. And so it becomes sort of like more of a real thing. And I think that that dialogue is lacking, especially because a lot of people make up their jobs. You know, people invent shit all the time. People in, this, in this business? Yeah, yeah in this totally. apartment? Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> Um, no, so this is like everyone is such a multi-hyphenate. And so I like just to be able to break that down. And I've just been interviewing my friends and I've started getting a lot of interest in terms of people who like do scoring for certain TV shows and stuff like that. And so those are also conversations I'm really interested in. So you've been like a writer for magazines and the Internet and for TV. And, you know, what do you... You, you don't like any of that. No. <laughs> Everyone who has ever hired me and given money to me is the best, and I'm very <laughs> grateful. No, I mean, I do love... It's it's tough. I feel like, you know, and I think that you guys know this, again, as multi-hyphenates who are in sitting here with me. Mm -hmm. yep. um, writing is interesting because it is the... It's the universal donor. As a verb goes, it's so, like, typo negative. It's so plug and play with a lot of industries. And if you are... 
you know, peripatetic in your interests, you know, aka spastic, <laughs> you can try on a lot of hats. And it's really nice. And the really great thing is that I've been doing it now for 13, Jesus, fuck, 13, 14 years. And at this point, I still have nuanced problems to, to solve. Like, I have yet to write a feature script that I like that has that sort of like page four, save the cat page 55 looking at death's door, you know, all those like stops that I, you know, that feel, sounds very sort of empty and algorithmic, but it's like writing a pop song. You can't just write a hook because you decided to. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that I've been exploring this and still learning that is like really fun and I won't tire of it. And I probably won't settle on one thing. Well, when you worked for like MTV, for example, yeah. giant building, giant mm-hmm. company, how did that feel like going to work every day and swiping past like the I mean I was, And was it any different from Complex? Well, Complex when I worked there was very small. Like it was like twenty five people. I understand now it's like hundred and fifty and they have a big sexy building in Midtown, but MTV was exciting because I had a corporate card <laughs> and it had my logo on it. So like MTV and it had other logos on it. And my mother, who is a Korean person like myself, was like, I have heard of this company. You know, she she was so cute. Like, I remember when I was the managing editor of Hip Hop Soul, you know, after I had been at Double at, um, XL for a while, yeah. you know, R.I.P. Harris, Jesus Christ. Yeah. But, and she was just like, I was looking for the R&B magazine that you now do. And I can't find it anywhere. She lives in Texas. And I was like, yeah, we're a newsstand giant, but you're not going to find it in Texas. And so... This was a company that she had heard of. And so that was very gratifying to her because she's very shallow. And, you know, and so she's like, my church people have heard of you. That's great. So that was exciting. And there are perks that are very real. Like you you, um, work past a certain hour and a town car materializes. You know, (laughs) these things are really nice. Like I knew where the snack drawers were. These are very important to me if you know me personally. But I couldn't get over that the sort of way the email structure was, was that like they could tell if you were at your desk based on the activity of your email on your desktop and your phone usage. Yo. And that freaks me out. Not to be like an 80s baby where like <laughs> the building turns on Tom Selleck and the elevator <laughs> tries to kill you. But shit like that really is demoralizing to me. And this was, you know, this was before they were working out of like Hudson. Mm-hmm. This is like the thick of it. This is like going to 40 deuce, which is like bumping into like 18 Elmo's. You know what I mean? You're like, what, how is this my life? But times square is so beautiful in the summer. (laughs) It's true. And it smells so good. And the tourists really understand that they shouldn't just like stop walking the fuck out of nowhere. (laughs) Like 38 deep. Yeah. Did you leave the building to get lunch by the way? No, I just went to the lodge. lodge, I was that person who like by the end of my tenure there was like, Oh, I don't even have antibodies to go outside. (laughs) Climate controlled. I'm like veal. But you're missing out on Guy Fieri's restaurant and I love bubble gum shrimp. Fieri. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's like Jada del Rey. <laughs> I like speaking his native language. They are yeah, both no. on the same yeah, level, yeah, by yeah, the yeah. way. Totally, totally. I like the way they say regot. <laughs> <laughs> no, and so, but the thing is, I did learn a lot there. It's kind of like going to college. I talk about college a lot on my podcast because I want to know if, like, the sort of staggering levels of debt are necessarily worth it for people, especially now. And college does teach you, if nothing else, how to navigate a bureaucracy. And I think that there's true value in that. I mean, I went to UT in Austin. (laughs) And that's a a huge fucking school. And so just even trying to get your credits and shit is like an uphill situation. And so I do think corporate structures 
when you learn how to like ingratiate yourself to multiple people at once and when you can learn how to manage up and manage down and you understand how the sort of fiefdoms and cabals work. Totally. I think there's a huge value in that because at the end of the day, even if you're a freelancer, you will descend upon a situation where you have to navigate something like that. And if you have some sort of knowledge of it, it helps. Our mutual friend, Miss Info, mm. has said to us that she thinks... She has a one-year-old son, Max. and So cute. So cute. Yeah. So big. Yeah. <laughs> so big. And Norm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she said by the time he's college age, college might not even be relevant in her eyes. She's like very open to well, the also, idea. Also, Minya of- is future as fuck. <laughs> like she, I feel like she's like such a soothsayer, you know. Like you know, she used to be the gossip queen, but I also think it's because she's just fucking clairvoyant. Totally. Yeah. So like, I agree with that. I think that there is something sort of modular to learning these days. And I was blessed with going to a public school and so like I and my parents paid for it I'm very forthright about that like and I went for a long time <laughs> for almost well, five years wait, oh really <laughs> so wait okay so but what's the rush you know <laughs> True, late. so you're <laughs> from you're from Texas originally no I actually I'm Korean yes. I was born in Korea and then before I turned one I, I believe I was 11 months old I moved to Hong Kong which okay. sounds like I was carrying a briefcase. And just, <laughs> I just getting on a plane. No, Maybe my you were. yeah, my entire family moved to Hong Kong, and so I grew up in Hong Kong, which is a British, which at the time was in under British rule, and so that was pre handover in 1997. And then I lived there until the time I was 14, and then my father, apropos of nothing, unilaterally t- decided to buy a house in Texas. No, where there, in Texas? In Universal City, which is a suburb outside of san antonio universal city sounds like <laughs> a chinese yeah 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 totally totally no it's like it sounds like a fake ass place and i was just like mm. you know it's like that thing where like the building falls and you like pop in through the window it's like <laughs> yeah. everything's like 2d no and so he bought a house and we moved there that's just where i was for a couple years in did high you school bring your briefcase no i did not <laughs> yes <laughs> it Wait, was a goyard um, why why because it was big and it was safe and it was close to the police precinct Wow. Like there was really no other, I. But why America or why Texas? America was going to be it anyway. Like we had our green card at that point. We had been um, petitioning for it because I have a group of family members in LA, like every Korean human. Mm-hmm. Um, Studio City, Universal <laughs> City. Yeah, close, close. No, and so I had you know my mother's entire side of the family lived in LA, and I think the prospect of moving to LA was seductive. But my dad was just like, you know what. I'm not really trying to live near like all 13 of you guys' sisters and stuff. So, yeah, we moved dead smack dab in the middle of America. And do you have any siblings? I do. I have an older brother. He is, we're Irish twins. He's a a year older than me, but less than a year. Mm. Um, and he is a comic book artist. And how was the move for each of you guys? Because that's was, prime time to not want to move. Yeah, I was dating a really dishy rugby player at the time. <laughs> I, you know, I was like a, a precocious person. Which how old was sweet. he? Um, <laughs> he was thirty-five. Yeah, professional <laughs> rugby player. Totally. He played, he played for, for Scotland. <laughs> yeah, totally. He's Welsh. Like, yeah, his thigh circumference was no. He was. He just he, rolled up after high school and like you got his car. Get in. Yeah. yeah, totally. No, he was eighteen. It's true. Um, and so I was da- I was dating this guy. It was very exciting. And I had a ton of friends and like all that stuff. And so I was not trying to move. And actually, the thing that was just the most vivid is we landed in America after like a trillion hour flight. And I, you know, and this, the f- fucking airport was so toy. I was just like, this is not, <laughs> this is kidding. And as we were driving to, you know, the sort of 
suburb that we would eventually sort of live in, someone was just like, oh, there's the movie theater. And it was this light in the middle of fucking darkness. (laughs) And I was like, holy shit, what podunk fuckery (laughs) is this? And so it was really, really jarring, but it was also really informative. I think that there is something to moving to the most American America that your parents can conceive of that was interesting. You know, so like, I don't like football, but like, I will watch the shit out of like, you know, clear eyes, full heart. (laughs) Yeah, just like, and I really do love that there is not like kinship to Texans because like half of them are so racist and weird, but I love Texas as a place. You know, like I learned how to read a lot of books in Texas when I was by myself a lot Mm -hmm. and I had been really popular growing up and then I just knew no one. And that was actually really good as a hard reset. I actually, not to say like all fathers of girls who are dating (laughs) rugby players when they're 13, 14 should do this, but it made me reprioritize. And I think, you know, truthfully, my wanting to become a writer probably began germinating then. Because prior to moving to America, I was in private school in Hong Kong with like, you know, really yuppie kids, like expat kids. And they were very, very moneyed and they were very like well-schooled. And comparatively, I was dumb. But then I moved to Texas, and it was like I was a genius. (laughs) (laughs) Like, all my grades, dead ass, became A's and B's. Like, they just, you know, rounded up. Yeah. And and I just read a lot, and then I was just all in AP classes. And I was like, oh, I'm smart here. And I didn't know that. What was your style like going into... Texas, and then how did it change? Yeah, did you? Oh, God. Is that when you started wearing all black because the light <laughs> had to come out of you? <laughs> totally. <laughs> I don't see color anymore. <laughs> um, no, I, I was actually really. I mean, Hong Kong was com- like pretty stylish. Um, it's in Asia, obviously. Why am I telling you that yeah. Hong Kong is in Asia? No, I mean Asia is just fast. It's just good at like really quick adoption, mm-hmm. and so a lot of the silhouettes would have hit you know New York a year later except that I was in Texas. So I was on like a four year lag. And I remember the first day of school and I had very, very long hair hair then too. And I wore, um, these sort of burnt umber velvet, like bell bottoms. And I wore these platforms and I wore this very like fitted, uh, vintage Kenzo shirt that had like little mushrooms and like flowers on it. And everyone else was wearing Jerbo because like that was the time. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, and everyone was wearing like K-Swiss shoes, like the white on white things. And <laughs> they called them tennies. And I was so wildly out of place. And so the next. But were you a star? No. I mean, it was confusing for them because, you know, I started going to school there and then my brother started going to school there. And so there was like no other Asian people. And they were like, so you are all related. And I was like, we're really not. You know, so. <laughs> It was a thing where it's just like, I just stopped speaking. I used, I used to also have a very thick British accent when I moved there. and um, Like a Cockney accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was like Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. To, total Brummy. No, um, and so I stood out enough in that way. And so I, I, I would say that I didn't get popular until the year after when I so just started putting out like crazy numbers. You were, <laughs> you were a freshman or a sophomore? I was a sophomore because... Um, you were too smart to be a freshman. Mm-hmm. It, no, actually, I I was supposed to be a junior, but had my brother been a junior, he wouldn't have been ready to acclimate enough to um, become a senior and then go to college and graduate. But yeah, I went to college in Texas too after that at UT. Was there any thought that you would go elsewhere? No, because I didn't want to go to college at all. 
And so with state- what would you have done if you didn't go to college? Smoke weed every day. <laughs> no, um, no, I just I didn't. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to move to New York. Mm-hmm. And you know, I remember thinking I want to go to NYU. This was like the dream. And of course, like tuition even back then was so laughable. My parents they they work in the service industry. They were like, <laughs> "This is adorable." You know, <laughs> like we move you here and now you're really confused. No, and so and conversely at the time like going to ut i think it's like you know a semester was like a couple thousand and so i was so lackadaisical and sort of like not fussed with college in either way anyway so i was just like let me go to the cheap one that i can already get into because my grades are high and it's just like boom and socially like did you still not care about football because now you're like <laughs> so much pressure yeah no i mean the center of it no i i still don't care about football do you hate uh, oklahoma <laughs> i do fuck that <laughs> what the fuck is a sooner really though um yeah i mean there are things that just are in there i don't drink sweet tea or anything but mm-hmm. i'm very barbecue snobby really yes absolutely so you won't go i don't like a carolina situation i was like what is that it's just like pulp you <laughs> <laughs> how far is austin from san antonio it's like an hour an hour drive. Yeah. So it's like, boop. Yeah. Yeah. That's not bad at all. Totally. And so, you know, I went there, graduated. I actually majored in textiles and apparel. So I, I majored in fashion. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> not whoa. No, but like, <laughs> but like, okay, if your parents Neurology. are... Neurology. <laughs> um, yeah. No, but were your parents like... Um, Dismayed? Yeah. Yeah, they were. They were like, that's a hobby. <laughs> Um, but similarly, they're kind of like, they didn't even come to my high school graduation. They're very uninvolved with certain things. I and mean, that makes them sound cruel. It's more that, and I get, I got, I get home after high school get graduation. And I'm like, the fuck guys. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, they were just kind of like big fucking whoop. You graduated high school. Wow. Like, what do you want to parade? Like, of course you graduated high school. Did you want to parade? I did look you want to parade. Like my white friends were like, my mom bought out this entire restaurant. Yeah. Come dine. My did, parents were just like, oh. Did they have ads in the back of the yearbook? No. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. They did it at our school and like that was a big thing for like parents to oh, buy like I, I thought you were implying whether or not my parents would have participated in something like that. No, it was a possibility. They just never did it because <laughs> they're bastards. So they weren't that involved in schooling for me. Mm-hmm. Also, I low key think they did they thought I was just kind of like weird and would do an art thing or something. Mm-hmm. So they were like, fashion's fine. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to New York, um, I had interned at Saks. I was actually working at Saks Fifth Avenue in the Armani Collezioni division. <laughs> um, ask me anything about Khadid, the fabric. Um, no, and so... Is this in polyester? <laughs> is oh this God. a rayon blend? That actually hurts my feelings. I was like, no, it's like a crepe, but it's really different. Um, so, yeah, I, I did fashion, and I was supposed to go through the sort of buying program, like the corporate thing, and I kind of just lost my mind, and I decided that that's the last thing I wanted to do. And so I went into magazines. I went into Mass Appeal, because Condé wouldn't hire you unless you had previous experience. But internships wouldn't let you come intern unless it was for college credit. And I had already graduated. And I was just like, I had thought this through beautifully. And yeah. so I worked at Mass Appeal and it was dope. It was like And you'd been reading Mass Appeal before you actually started working there, I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Well, no, I mean... <laughs> Graffiti, germane to my interest. <laughs> Culture. When I graduated from college and I was like, oh, I want to work for magazines. And I started uh, reaching out to all these editors 
and they would say, oh, do you read our magazine? And I would lie, and I would say, yes, I love your magazine. <laughs> mm-hmm. They would say, well, what do you like about our magazine? I'd be like, oh, you know. The, the covers. Is, yeah, the covers <laughs> the are amazing. The font is so good. <laughs> <laughs> the length of the articles I is like nice. I like the adjacency of this ad. <laughs> I like how the paper is from a good stock. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the LRG ad. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I didn't get any jobs at magazines. Really? <laughs> well, I also didn't and now, apply. And now you're yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, because let me tell you what happened to magazines. <laughs> I just woke up in yeah. 2016. <laughs> that happened to me twice. The magazines really happened to me a couple times over the years. Did you did you keep your parents like in the loop as to what was going on? Like, with your... No, I moved to America. I mean, I moved to New York without telling them. So I just had two <laughs> suitcases and I just appeared here. And my friend Susie, her father, who was working um, at mark jacobs her dad co-signed our apartment and i was like woohoo and then i just never went home whoa yeah you got to be like that with asian parents well how long did it take for them to show up and be like hey oh they've never visited me in new york to this day what we don't talk no No. (laughs) we we have a very loving relationship it's just like there are certain things that you have to train parents to realize wow yeah you just got to pull the cord (laughs) yeah and so yeah they're they're extremely supportive now they still really don't have an idea of what it is that i do exactly but um, i think that it's great i think that everyone's comfortable with that that's good yeah we every time we go to thanksgiving it's you know the, the relatives at the far ends of the yeah, yeah, yeah you know family tree those are the ones who don't get what we do and that's always <laughs> like the situation where if we did something for mtv or like we sold a show to mtv yeah, the that's thing when yeah, yeah, yeah. they're like oh i get it right and there's like oh, i always knew there was something special about you but, and, <laughs> a lot of people won't understand what we do well did ever. you go to your high school reunion no i'm really not that good at preserving memories friend <laughs> where am i no um it's just kind of like i just i'm i have a very very select few friends and that's just what that is and i don't do really well with ancillary humans and so like i think the joy of it like in your case going on the Rihanna tour and then going straight to your high school reunion yeah that that kind of stuff doesn't make me happy so i, I just don't participate is that only because of the scheduling of your high school reunion <laughs> <laughs> if it had been right after we were on the then Rihanna i totally would have gone it yeah. was so thin like you <laughs> no i mean gosh remember Rihanna plane um no i i just i didn't go to my high school reunion i, I don't think i will i don't think i can't imagine going to a college reunion it, just not into it. Yeah. Like our mom, like she, there's a there's a milestone one for her, college or high school, one of them, and she was like, she she sort of wanted to go and then she didn't want to go, but she signed up for like essentially what is their Facebook, you know, for mm, all those people yeah, from their yeah. grade, yeah. just so the people would know she was still alive. Like that was that <laughs> that's was actually all. nice. That's a courtesy check in. Yeah. I, I totally do one of those. Yeah, I'm you, like mm, ding ding alive, <laughs> still not attending. Fuck that. Do you have do you have those random people from high school hitting you up on like social media? I. Uh, and they're like, I remember you. No. You had a British accent. <laughs> I know. Live. Um, the, the beef eater uniform. No? Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> the reverse Tina Turner. What is this now? Um, no. I, I don't really talk to a lot of high school people. I don't really talk to a lot of college people. I don't really talk to a lot of people. Um, <laughs> but I do. Pres- I, I have my best friend. That- Susie? <laughs> She's been my best friend since we were like four. And that's hmm. my human. And then similarly, like I have a friend you know who i knew in college and that's also my human but like other than those two people i can't imagine sitting in a room with like all the fluff (laughs) would make me that happy um but yeah i mean i do look forward i mean the the other thing is it's like when you do like you guys sell a scripted mtv show and a press release goes out (laughs) 
you know, all the people like clamoring and saying, hi, yeah. I knew you when, like, you know, that's nice, but I don't know. Like, I just, maybe it's that I just haven't had that moment yet. Maybe I haven't been able to rub it in sufficiently to where I it would. Know. You've had some very big moments throughout your life and career. <laughs> you have. Yeah. Is that just coded for you're so old? Hey, they yeah. have been, there have been achievements. You, there must have been things that, <laughs> just, that you've been happy about. I don't know. It's been a very probability long time. Alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. What was your first interview that, that you were like happy about? God, they're all running together. A kaleidoscope of famous faces. Um, I don't know, but is it I, this one? I, I think so. <laughs> no, it's funny though because it's actually I'm scrolling so far back that it's microfiche. But <laughs> some of the early interviews that I ever did was at Double XL, and it would be for like the sex issue. Mm-hmm. So it's like me asking like Chris and Neef <laughs> if they prefer like doggy style or froggy style, <laughs> <laughs> and so those are quite indelibly marked into my head. But Wait, how did they respond? I do not recall the answers, no. I, I, I think I wasn't looking at their faces. <laughs> oh, you did it in person? Yeah, it was in person. Wow. And yeah, it was a lot. And I believe like there were questions about skeet, skeet, skeeting. Because <laughs> I think that was the era. Another favorite piece that you've written is the Rihanna mm. piece from The Fader. Yes. Oh, yeah. Where she wasn't exactly there there, there which is the same thing as when we were on the plane with yeah, her it was, it was yeah. very consistent for but, me <laughs> but i thought you did a remarkable job in in shaping the whole thing no i mean the thing is i have had a lot of time to meditate on rihanna um i wrote her first cover and um what year was that oh don't make me uh i think it was 2007 but you were only 17 it's so true. You know, yeah. we were both 17 yeah, it was yeah. really great um i was like twins let's be blood sisters um so I did have you a- and Rihanna and <laughs> Melissa Ford. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And um yeah, Jen Rosales. Um and so like <laughs> I loved seeing how she changed and I do think that there was sort of something meditative to be said on the thing and I really really love how vaunted our notion of her is. And like I do love like you know even someone like as beloved as Beyoncé can be quite divisive. But Rihanna is less so. And that's interesting to me. Like everybody wants to believe that they would be best friends with her and that somehow that would be reciprocated. And I, I think that that is a really fascinating energy to be able to channel. And you talk about like, who's your favorite interview? Who's like, like, that's what I talk about, like fame changing. And I do think it's really interesting that she is such a projection of like all women who think they're like killing it. And that's really powerful. And to harness that, you know, at this young age and having had the level of output she has had, like, that's really interesting to look at. Yeah, she's honestly, so Beyonce puts out Lemonade and it's such a powerful pro-women thing. And mm-hmm. she stays married to Jay, regardless of how contrived or not contrived right. the, the storyline is. That's her empowerment from her point of view. Rihanna is the type of person who loves guys and then leaves them and gives no shits about them and moves forward. And that's her idea of empowerment. And I think that those two women are showing pretty amazing things. Yeah. And but the thing about Rihanna is that like, it's not just like, oh, look at me. I'm so, you know, the men are so disposable because I think that that is kind of a, a, it's a played out thing. It feels very 90s. It feels very like cosmopolitan, sex in the city. (laughs) And like her thing is more, I think she just sort of thinks about how awesome she is in that context and what she can get out of it. And like, you know, whether that is a a certain type of like corporal pleasure or if it's like another type of satisfaction. 
And also, you have to think about it like that's a lot of Rihanna songs, but like Rihanna's got ballads, man. Right. <laughs> like, no, but I'm talking about like if you see her, like I was like, I think we were all curious when the Travis Scott situation right. like bubbled up, and it was just like, why him? I like him as a as a person. Sometimes I see myself I like in Travis Scott. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. But but like <laughs> it, it was curious to go from like a certain level of superstar to somebody who was not quite on that level. Yeah, but you know what it is? It's like, come on. It's like, (laughs) yo, he probably was like the only person that like hollered where he had like enough like gumption. Right. And just fucking like crazy balls where he was just like, you know what? (laughs) Hey. (laughs) And I'm sure she was just like, Okay, fine. Hey. <laughs> and then it was just, I'm, I'm just going to keep doing this fanfic forever. Right, yeah, 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 but right. like, he was probably just like very confident and she was probably receptive to it. Hmm. And then ta-da. I mean, he's from Texas. It's true. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that, yeah, I think that that's ultimately just what you want. Someone who can talk to you like you're a normal person. Is, is she a normal person? No, I mean, yeah. actually, it's funny. I mean, no, I mean, and why would she be? My God. Right. But actually, I do have a funny... Rihanna anecdote mm-hmm. in that like I remember when I was lol I was writing Rita Ora's bio wow. and she had just come to New York like like this was like very very early like she just quit her sneaker store job or something and Rihanna was in um the building I forget which studio it is and she was we shared an elevator and we got up to the, the right floor and the, the thing was locked and um, we were just waiting and she looked at me and she's like, are you the writer? And I didn't know what context it was. And this was also a really long time ago. This is before like Rihanna being as hugely famous as she is now. And she's like, are you the writer? And I said, I was confused. I was like, yeah, no. What do you? And she's like, are you the Rolling Stone writer? I was like, no. And then she switched off her eyes. And it was this really interesting thing where it was like almost like not like sleep mode, but like a conservation of like her sparkle glitter magic energy because like she has that tractor beam famous head Mm -hmm. where it's like her eyes have eyes inside and they're lights, you know? Mm -hmm. And so she switched them off and I was just like, oh, like, are you a person anymore? Like, I don't like your interactions with people is are probably so weird already yeah, right. And this was at this point, just like however many years after I'd interviewed her the first time. Because so she was didn't po- even recognize you. No, from that, and yeah. I had no expectation that she would recognize me because I'm not a monster. Can you imagine? Like, <laughs> Rihanna, do you remember me? <laughs> you should have just like yeah, hugged her. <laughs> like, Girl, hey. Yeah. No, and and I remember thinking that's interesting. But yeah, I mean, I've met a lot of famous people with that same energy. Like, I would say that um, Justin Bieber has that energy. Leonardo DiCaprio has that energy. Were you there when Rihanna and no <laughs> just got there, in the middle and you were like, I was hey. like, hey, I really like Coachella too. This is nice. I like that hat. No, um, and you know, I think Alec Baldwin has the same lights. It's a weird light. They just turn it on and you're like, what the fuck? Like, my liver feels weird. Can we talk about like horrible um, interview stories? God. No, I'm embargoed. No, I mean, like, I've interviewed a lot of Hollywood people who are on the come up but don't break out, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And that's really interesting because their one sheet is not gelled, so they don't know what to say about themselves. And so that's a little painful. But more often than not, it's really great because it's like you're just kind of sitting there deciding what 
the press releases. <laughs> but you know who I did love interviewing? I loved interviewing Khloe Kardashian. I'm sure that was amazing. When was that? She's like so open. She was, yeah, she's really, really open. This was, um, I don't. It's funny. It was in LA, so I'm like, what season was that? I was like, yeah. no, it was the same temperature. <laughs> I have no idea when it was, um, but it was fairly recently. And oh, uh, was this a cover story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. she was really, really great and really open and so funny. And I remember. She was drinking a lot. Of, she had actually come under some fire for drinking too much water because that's the amount of scrutiny that she's under. <laughs> and so she was getting up to pee a lot. And this was like when she was like, she was already kind of like skinny and like really healthy. <laughs> Those <laughs> things I think are the same thing. Well, sometimes. Yeah. No, she, she'd lost all this weight and she looked great and she was very taut. And she had worked out that day. She'd like done like two workouts already and she was drinking a bunch of water. And she's like, I'm going to pee a lot. I'm so sorry. I'm not doing drugs. I'm leaving my bag here so you can see. And then she showed me her palms and she's Jesus. like, I don't have. And I was just like, wow, like that's I suppose that's your life. Like you just everyone thinks you're being shady for no reason. Um, I always want to tell my horrible interview story. Yeah, which I just remember because I was like, trying to remember it's, actually, it's, trying to, it's like trying to remember a joke. You're like you're, when you're on the spot, you're like, I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> well, I couldn't even remember the people's names. I, it was my best friend Greg Mayo's Great graduation name. party. Real name. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. It was at his graduation party. So this is 2006. Wrap Up Magazine. And they asked me to interview Field Mob. They were like, okay, all you have to do is just get a list of their top five movies. Oh, you're like, I got this. I'm like, this is the easiest thing I have yeah. to do. So I go up. I leave his party. I go up to his bedroom. And I close the door. And I'm there. And I'm like, really nervous because I'm bad on at interviewing people and you've always said that to me and i don't know that i believe you um i just don't i don't know okay whatever continue. yeah <laughs> yeah field mob phone go yeah Movie. we can talk more about that after yeah. but anyway so um but field mob and so i have to ask them these questions and they're like okay we're patching you through they're in the back of the escalade i'm like great so they're next to each other like you know we can all get on the phone and they couldn't name one movie <laughs> that they enjoyed, let alone five. And so I'm just pitching movies. You're like, good fellas. I'm Scarface. Like, I'm like, you guys must love Scarface. Yeah, and they're like, totally. yeah, yeah. And then this is around the time that Crash had come out. Oh, shit. And they were signed to Ludacris' yeah. label, Disturbing the Peace. And so I'm like, you know, um, what else? Uh, you know, uh, Ludacris was just in, in Crash. And they go... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we like that movie. And I go, well, what's your favorite part? Because like, there has to be at least, at like, least a like blur. Two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so they say, oh, we like whatever part the boss man was in. And so, That's hilarious, though. That's yeah. usable, yeah. Yeah, I was like, Chris great. Chris Bridges, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but it was just like, what should have been maybe like a five-minute interview was like 30 minutes of me just like Sweating. weeping. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I've definitely been there. Also, phone, oh, phone interview. Fuck. Can I say I'm like I'm like do these people still exist this magazine that I I interviewed Naomi Campbell on the phone wow and that was like so pressure filled because you were worried that she was going to throw her phone and then who would record then you know totally um no she's also she's a huge you have to I I loved I majored in fashion like I loved well textile so yeah but like that whole like (laughs) 90s like all of those photos just mm-hmm. like this the era of the supermodel i mean also like hello like i exhumed house of style for mtv that was yeah. like my entire yeah. job for a while but um so that era was really important to me and i was really and i don't get nervous during interviews but i was really nervous and it was a phoner and her phone kept cutting in and out wow and so that was like a really painful interview and blessedly what i had to cobble together was fairly easy because it was blurb based but yeah that was 
one of those sweaty moments or when you oh funny <laughs> the worst interview ever interviewed Rihanna first cover flew out to LA to do it tape got fucked up oh what do you do the tape era I got on the phone with her and we had a phoner she gave me another 40 55 minutes Jesus really nice of her that's yeah. really nice yeah you know what? I've interviewed a lot of good people, but I've also edited a lot of good people. And, you know, I think that by the time I was doing Misbehave, where I was editor-in-chief, and mm-hmm. I really could pull and, you know, I could just decide who would be where, that was a lot of fun. And to this day, it kills me. But I was hamstrung in certain decisions where, like, I really wanted to put Amy Winehouse on the cover, but I wasn't allowed to because she was, quote, rando. <laughs> and similarly, I wanted to put Gaga on the cover mm bit she was thought to be a one-hit wonder and so there are moments (laughs) that my hands were tied but um more than anything else i think what's gratifying is to see how celebrity changes over the years watching the shape of fame change as technology and social and all that stuff changes has been really interesting how do you get from mass appeal to double xl oh easy I know this one. <laughs> it's my life. Um, so the R train. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. I think it's under construction. Um, so Sasha Jenkins, who is who at the time was the editorial director, you know, was my boss at Mass Appeal, and Noah Callahan Bever was the editor in chief. Noah used to intern for Sasha, and Sasha, Noah, and Elliot Wilson, who at the time was editor in chief, were were friends. And when I was working at Mass Appeal, I was both the editorial assistant and the office manager at the same time, which then I parlayed into managing editor (laughs) simply by dint of the fact that like the office manager was like, so I could make 10 bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. And then I would, so I would get there at like nine or 10 in the morning. And this was at the time, this was at red hook. So I was living on the upper East side. So that was a fucking long commute. Yeah, Did you no take kidding. a ferry? <laughs> <laughs> Just, I crossed, I traversed a body of water. No, it was like, it was like the train to the bus. And if that bus didn't come, cause this is way pre Ikea. This is way oh, yeah. pre all the cute shit that's happening. <laughs> if your bus didn't come for 20 minutes, you could be standing in the snow for, for an hour mm. on Smith and Ninth. And so I would basically start my editorial duties at 6 PM after basically doing all the office manager stuff, which if you know, like bootleg magazine it means i was doing payroll right it means i was doing like everything like i was d- proofing i was like making sure that a lot of the changes were inputted it was just like a lot of different how things. many writers were not happy with payroll <laughs> well payroll was cute it's more just like me putting a dream inside an envelope <laughs> it might be like it's like a bocce <laughs> like, it's like, good wishes <laughs> but yeah so i actually really learned a lot and that was really, really gratifying. The reason why I became managing editor is because I was just like, there are no processes here. Let me change all of the processes. Hmm. Yeah. I'm That's fucking, you being like an Asian woman. Yeah, I was like a fucking <laughs> lunatic. Yeah. And so by the time I left, it was like really, really organized. And, you know, Elliot at the time was looking for an editorial assistant. And so I was just like, yes, I would like to make infinitely more money than <laughs> I'm making. Um, and so and you're I, how old at this point? I was 20. Ooh, Three twenty-four, yeah. So really old by today's standard. <laughs> Just ancient, a hoary, hoary bitch. Um, and then I went to work for Elliot, and I was with him for three years. And he was a very interesting boss. It's funny because sometimes I don't know that I give enough credence to Elliot's role in my career, but 
you know, you have to understand this was at the point where there was so much beef between Double XL and the source. He was about to beat the source. It wasn't <laughs> yet. I think it would take like the MJ50 cover that happened afterwards, like all this other stuff. And he was really interesting because I had never met a more competitive person and been close enough to that competitive person to see the cogs turn. Mm-hmm. Like this is a man who, and this was kind of, it's, it's like definitely pre internet as we know it. He would hunt for so much information. Like he would read like old, like billboard top forties books just so he knew the backstory for which samples were being sampled. Mm-hmm. So like, this is a type of mind where whatever you saw in his YN persona in the editorial was like the tip of the iceberg <laughs> insofar as he had probably read like, I don't know, like two books to give you that one stunning like parenthetical barb. And I was just like, oh shit, like that's motivating to me. Yeah. I mean, he was also like, he was a lot younger and so he was a lot shoutier <laughs> then. <laughs> you know, and this is before he was married, so he was well shoutier <laughs> then. But, you know, that was really interesting. And to this day, like, you know, I look at guys like him, I look at guys like Noah, and I'm like, oh, so this is how you stay hungry. Yeah. So we've only known Elliot, uh, like, he reached out to us right after he left Double XL. Uh-huh. So we've only known him in this rap radar iteration. Even before then, but like, okay. you know, that. Just post double XL. Right. While he was there. And also like so the era that we've been in has been internet era. So sure. we don't know that <laughs> like, like I'm actually a hologram. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't know we don't know anything with that like that tense atmosphere between the source and double XL. If, sure. if you so any party that we've gone to or listening session or whatever, people mix and they're from competing companies and it's like okay. Oh my god, it was so acrimonious. It was I was about to say all sorts of stuff. It was bellicose. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it was crazy. And, and and a lot of that had to do with, like, Elliot used to, like, carry around. like And magazines then were different, period, anyway. And also the type of business model that um, Harris, specifically XXL, was that it, you know, it was outselling Rolling Stone on newsstands because so much of it was newsstand-based versus subscription, and I don't know... If Can you explain like what the difference is between those two things for people who don't know? They're both dead now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you know, the sell-through, so the number of issues that um, the magazine would sell would be disproportionately high on newsstands. So like when you see it at Universal News, that's an old-timey storefront that has these things <laughs> called magazines or like newsstands, period. You know, those things would sell out. But it wasn't a lot of people like people who probably like get the New Yorker where it is subscription based, where it just sort of arrives in your home, like piling up, judging you for not reading its 7,000 word feature. Right. You're talking right to us <laughs> right know, now. Like. Totally. I feel your pain. I feel your pain. Um, and so that's an interesting business model because you don't have a safety net. Like each cover has to compel you to buy it in a sea of other magazines. And so that in and of itself tends to sort of skew your thinking into thinking that like everything has to be a single, everything has to be a hit. And so Elle would carry around like printouts of the cover in his pocket and he would just be thinking about like what the cover line should be. He should, he was thinking about like which one was the cover shot. He'd be thinking about like who's going after who. And like, so people would 
fight for covers and like definitely be like it's got to be an exclusive you got to do my cover and that's it it's got to be like embargoed on either side by this many things like you can't go back to back like it was it was a blood sport and it was very exciting and similarly this is kind of pre-internet in the music heyday too so i just remember how the immediacy of like you know dj green lantern Mm -hmm. coming out with like a mixtape and like so the call and response of people sort of like and this is like heyday of beef too like this is like irv Gotti. like this Mm -hmm. is like a crazy time and so that was really exciting too because someone would say something and someone would say something else in in a retort to it within days and like back then in mule and buggy times that was like (laughs) a big deal that was really fast and it wasn't something i'd ever seen in any other music genre you know and it was really exciting because like again this is pre like comments and this that and the other pre-social it's like you could talk at famous people and they would talk back to you (laughs) that was like that blew my mind i would have like i you know it was so so exciting and even now it's just like like even the energy of something that like you know, the Drake Meek Mill shit. It's like people were like, oh, like freaking out. Like that happened all the time. And so- yeah, but Norm Kelly was never jumping in <laughs> to offer his take. True. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Twitter. Um, no. And so like you have to understand this is before. And actually a lot of this became illuminated to me as I was like traipsing down memory lane with Noah on my podcast mm-hmm. earlier this week. But, you know, this was before rap was what it is. So like. Right, Hip-hop, it felt niche. Yeah, it felt niche as fuck. And a lot of the people who were dealing with each other, with each other have been dealing with each other for a really long time. Mm-hmm. You know, literally, like, a lot of people dealing with each other, like, you know, like, had relationships and slept together. There's all this shit, like, and it felt very much yours. And so it felt like a genuine affront with someone you know and who you could touch, like, attacking another person who was also in your, like, fantasy league of, like, that's <laughs> right. very tight-knit. And so... That obviously ratchets up the ratchetry. No, the the sort of pressure and like all of that. And so, yeah, it was like a really wonderful time. And I think that that's what made me fall in love with magazines, you know. And it's funny. I was really, I was busting down the door of this one place at Condé Nast that called me back after I was at XXL. And they were like, do you want to come be an editorial assistant with us? And it would have been a very sort of you know, chic situation. Like I would have been drinking like tiny Fiji water bottles (laughs) and just like throwing them out after one sip. And I was like, I can't because I I feel like I'm going to learn more here, you know, coming out of mass appeal where, I mean, we would go, this is so old, but we would go to like newsstands and we would just like put all our magazines in front of all the other magazines, you know, and just like cover everything. And like, we would just go do that because, you know, these artifacts existed in real life and it wasn't like the internet. And, when I went to launch uh, Misbehave, which is was the sister publication to Mass Appeal in 2006, and I, you know, I definitely applied everything I knew and everything I learned from Mass Appeal and, this, and the situation there. And by the situation, I mean the hardship. And I applied it, everything I learned from Elliot, to a magazine that I launched. Like, I put it on my shoulders and I launched it. And I don't think I would have been able to do that had I been an editorial assistant in a big company. Who was the Benzino to your Elliot Wilson when you were at Misbehave? <laughs> you know what? It wasn't a Benzino situation. I would think it's, you know, and it's so dumb because it's like, we we hated Nylon for no reason. <laughs> that was who we hated. Um, 
but we launched during a time when Jezebel was launching as well. Mm. And so that was really fun. Like, I remember being like, oh, great. It's like women. This is going to be really tight. This is going to be cool. But I think we were just too early. Like, the, the thing that's crazy to me is that everyone I called, everyone that I like, you know, anointed as going to be a thing became a thing. Mm. But I was anywhere from like eight months to four years <laughs> too early, which is useless. Well, who were you calling? Um, you know, it's like Amy Winehouse was a big deal. And, you know, I was talking to her publicist in like Long Island and she was, <laughs> you know, it was just like that was like her U- U.S. person. And Lily Allen, we were very early mm. with. And like, you know, even like the new rave, like cassette player, like all those people we were very early with. And yeah, it was too niche and too early. And I remember even like this is really dumb, but like we all know who Amber Heard is now because she married Johnny Depp. I put her on a cover. <laughs> Like a trillion years ago. And I, and I remember it really well. And I would say this to all the publicists because I would fly myself to L.A. and just start tap dancing because like no like IDPR and like all these like and CAA and all these places didn't obviously want to give us any covers. But I was just like all the crazy chicks who usually get the men's magazine covers who need to stop alienating their lady like core fan base. They need to do our cover. Right. Because, like, we weren't into pretty. We weren't into perfect. We were into, like, a little unhinged. We were into a little, like, scandal or salash. And that was our lane. And I remember looking Which, at... Which, generally, by the way, was also ahead of your time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, and I remember... And another thing that was a, a big deal is, like, people would ask me, what kind of tone do you want? I was just like, I need you to sound exactly like me. Which, at the time, was because I was editing everything, and I had four pseudonyms, and like you know, it was a bit crazy. But I was like, and I want you to talk from the first person. For a lot of writers, that was crazy, and like for internet, it's obviously like what everybody does now. Yeah, you could like you would kill on first we feast now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, it's like, and so I was just like, I want to talk. I want you to put me there when you're interviewing someone, and you know, that's what we're doing here. Yeah. And I remember that was also too early. Like I would, I would write like, you know, for the subscription card, I would write so many little jokes all over it. And it was just like really important to me that whoever took the time to see that would get it. Like I would have cover lines like how to lose 10 pounds instantly. By the way, nobody fucking cares. You know, just like shit like this or like, you know, like 16 pants silhouettes for people with cankles. It's like everything was a fake headline because I was just like women's magazines are so stupid. Yeah. So then when, like, Jezebel took that and amplified it, did you feel like, like... All of you were my sons. No, not at all. Not at all. Because I I don't think that, like, I don't think that it's, like, necessarily that I am, like, patient zero for all (laughs) lady thinking. It's more that, like, I think I was early on a crest that was going to happen. But there are moments where I'm like, "Mm, know what that's that's kind of me though (laughs) and i think that especially actually it's funny and not to take anything away from lawrence because i think it's hilarious but like i got a lot of emails being like are you um fuck yeah menswear and i was like no (laughs) but there have been moments when other people and they're very very kind will give me credence and, and and give me like the props for, I was just like, when you talk about fashion like this, where it's polysyllabic valley girl shit, but with accuracy, mm. that's definitely you. And I'm like, yes, thank you. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm legendary. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you get your first piece into the New York Times? 
Actually, it was because I was unemployed, like so many people in 2008, 2009. Um, it was a tough time for all of us. Yeah, it was. It was crazy. I remember I would go to the unemployment office and I saw a girlfriend of mine who was in the advertising department for a magazine I was working at. And she had a baby pram, like a stroller. And I remember her husband was also in magazine. I was like, damn, it's all the generations are fucked. <laughs> you know? And we would just laugh because I would consistently see so many of my friends and colleagues in the unemployment office. And that was when um, Corey Sika and Alec Balk were Alec, Alex Balk mm-hmm. yeah. were um, doing the all. Mm-hmm. And the all was really, really fun. And it was run out of Corey's house on St. Mark's. And I knew Corey because we share a mutual uh, best friend. We have joint custody. (laughs) Sarah (laughs) Vilcomerson. And she was, you know, so we'd known each other for a while. And I was like, you need a girl on that site, man. And he was just like, yeah, you you be that. And so I would just show up at his house and start blogging, which was the first time I blogged. And you would do those AIM conversations. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And so that was really fun. And I remember we, like, they would just smoke indoors. And I was just like, this is crazy. (laughs) Um, And... Then Mark Lotto, who is now who is now at Medium and the new Medium, where it's becoming like a agency or something. I, I don't know, but he uh, was running the op ed desk at the New York Times, and he was just like, "I like what you do. You should do that here." <laughs> and I was like, "Cool." And so I met with him. Were you like, "I like the unemployment line"? <laughs> I know it's really cozy here. They have <laughs> snacks. I meet so many friends here. <laughs> I know, totally. Can you smoke indoors at the Times? <laughs> yeah, like- <laughs> seriously. Um, and so. He wanted me to come on and do this series of um, essays, and that was really great. And I don't, I don't know that I knew the magnitude of what that floodlight feels like. But until I was at the all, definitely white people didn't give a shit about what I was doing. Did you, did you do any writing for Radar before that? Or no, they asked me to, and um, I was obsessed. I did. Nice. Yeah. Which time though? Oh, radar uh, three. Dose? I think <laughs> <laughs> that was the bullshit time. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, no, I had always wanted. I loved radar. Radar was great. I mean, any spy fan would love the shit out of radar. That fucking book. Also, spy. Holy <laughs> shit. So I wrote four essays, and each one came out a week apart. And it would have been really nice if it had all four been locked and loaded. But I was writing them as they were being published, and that was crazy. But after that, it was like, everyone's like, oh, we understand what you do now. <laughs> and so that was really gratifying. And I'm very, very grateful to Lotto. And he, you know, went, to, went on to GQ and I wrote from there. And it's, you know, that that's the other really nice thing about being in the same industry for a long time is that you do get to know everybody. Um, yeah, I mean, that's worked for out for us. Yeah. 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 Um, well, look, relationships are the thing yeah. that, you know, get people by um, and and help people succeed. Your piece, and you know this, one of our favorite pieces is the Mr. Wan piece. <laughs> um, the man who, who helped Moves you move me. everywhere. Yeah. yeah, because I move every year like a crazy <laughs> lady. No, yeah, I mean, New York is great. I, I just, I have the worst, I don't have like FOMO when it comes to like going out because I'll see it on, on um, Instagram and I'm, or um, Snapchat and I'm like, that looks tiring. <laughs> Being upright like that at this time of night don't be crazy. Um, but I do have FOMO about apartments. Hmm. And so like really though, like when I feel like I'm coming up, I will fucking move. Well, but, what's the best place you've lived, you think? Fuck. Like section of town. Easy. Texas. I know th- I know th- no, yeah, exactly. 
I know the best apartment, and our mutual friend Brendan Frederick lives in it now. Cause really? Because we used to be roommates. How are you going to get him out of it? I'm, I think about it constantly. No, <laughs> Put I mean, him, his wife, and his baby I out. I know it's only his newborn, um, and I know it's really close to your new office, but I don't care. <laughs> I've come for mine. No, so we used to live together on 97. Uh, I'm not going to say the actual address, right, but yeah, it's yeah. a very nice apartment, and so that's probably the, the one that got away. But I moved in and out of there like twice, and was it the so Was long. it the area or that specific apartment? It was the, the specific apartment. It okay. has a huge Because patio. you never went outside. <laughs> <laughs> it had a patio. I didn't have to go outside outside with them, yeah, with they. Um, was it a walk-up or an elevator building? Or It was a walk-up, but it was only one flight. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it was a single unit. We moved one of our friends into... You helped move? Oh, we always do. We yeah. are. <gasps> We're those such guys. good friends. Yeah. I'm, see, We're both Mr. Wan. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. See, the thing is, I would never, ever ask a friend of mine really? to move me. Yeah. Oh, we do that. That's so yeah. nice. Well, yeah. you know, we figured like people we're help us. We're also like yeah. the nicest people <laughs> in New York City. Well, no, we were the nicest when we moved our friend Bob into his six six floor walk up. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. And the, the... Yeah, so his neighbor moved in at the exact same... Uh, his neighbor was there at the exact same time he was moving in. And so he starts opening his door... And the neighbor says, "You never get used to it." <laughs> Ew! <laughs> I would, I would just burn all the sage yeah, while he was standing right. there. Like, what it's the fuck? The is opposite that? of like asking for sugar or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Just oh, terrible. My god. Yeah. Yeah. Six that's, floor walk Also, up. that's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Have you lived in places like that? Yes, I have. I've lived on in fourth floor walk ups, fifth floor walk ups. There. I mean, you don't get used to it. You know what sucks? Actually, the move is that when you get back from a trip and you're holding your luggage at the base of your stairs and you want to kill yourself. Like, but New York's great. <laughs> well, I like it here. You never made. Oh no, actually, you did make that move to Los Angeles. I did. And I did looked, you see all of your relatives, your mom's family out there? I, I saw them very fre- frequently. They were very happy. Actually, it was the move. I had the plug. So <laughs> Koreans, <laughs> they they have like a trillion dry cleaners between them. I got free dry cleaning like a block and a half away from my house. That's amazing. In LA, in LA, it was great. Yeah, you uh, couldn't get that here. I, 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 there's like a special handshake. I don't know. If you can pull it off. Yeah, totally. Do you know? I don't know if you know my. Um, no. So, yeah, that was great. But LA was a trip. I mean, I was there for a year and a half. You were doing television. Yes, I was doing. Um, I was writing. I was the writer for a talk show slash news show, and that was very interesting. We were daily. Megan McCain. Megan McCain was Eddie on Wong. It. Eddie Wong was on it for a brief tenure and then <laughs> and then was not on it. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a really interesting time. I think I wrote 138 episodes or something like that pretty much by myself with a bunch of producers who would like produce their segment where it's just like, here are the elements. But then I would largely write all the words that went with that. Um, Jesus. <laughs> and it was it was really, really fun, too, because like news breaks all the time. So when you're in the control room and you have to change copy as you're going. Mm hmm. That's like that's terrifying, terrifying, <laughs> but it's also really cool. Yeah, I'm sure it's just like an adrenaline rush. Yeah, because the other thing about writing the type of writing that I do with magazines and like, you know, comic books and, and whatever, it's like it's so like every day you have homework, you have homework, homework, homework. You got to get home after you do the interview and then you got to transcribe it and then you got to turn it into a thing and then you got to edit it with this. When by the time you got home, you were done. So that part that of was it like was a beautiful like thing really for you. nice. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. But I didn't like L.A. as a whole. Like, I just, it was really, you know how New York's the best, especially when the weather turns and, like, a song will come at the club, come on at the club and, like, everybody's, like, so ignorant for, like, five seconds. And <laughs> it doesn't matter how old you are because we're all young inside. There you go. Side, or dead side, inside. Side. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, those moments 
that sort of like eruption of like jubilation and we're all in this together just can't happen in a mm-hmm. place that's so geographically like disparate. Right. And also it's like really racially segregated in a way that after a while weirds you out. Well, where, where were you living out there? I was living in the Gramercy of LA, <laughs> which is, or the Murray Hill of LA, which wow. is, um, Park La Brea. Yes. <laughs> yes. Not specifically those apartments. Although I wouldn't have been my, mad about that. Cause it's really close to that health food store. Erewhon. Yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah, I was, Erewhon def- is like basically like, it's like pills. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's great. It's like, here's some atomized nutrition. <laughs> no. And so I, I was definitely walking distance to the groves. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You know what's interesting? You're so basic. I'm so basic. I was just like, why is it so loud? Is Kendall doing like a signing around here? <laughs> when I went to, when I went to, I went to Syracuse University and like when I visited. Orange. Yeah. They were like, everyone was like, oh, the quad this or the DO. They were, you know, the Daily yeah. Orange, they abbreviated it, whatever. Like there were all these things that were like very campus you know, inside yeah. sayings or whatever. And I was like, I will never be the guy who refers to that as the DO. Meanwhile, like I get there and it's like all I say, yeah, right? Fuck your vernacular. Just kidding. And yeah. It's the same with the Grove. Like when we first started going out to LA for business, like seven years ago, I was like, ah, oh, Grove, that's lame. We'll never go to a mall or whatever. Then the more and more we go, it's just like, do you want to stop by the Grove and get something like quickly to eat? And like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. easy it's... to walk around and meet totally. someone. And... I got to a point where I'd be like, I need groceries. <laughs> I'm going to go to that fucking butcher in the Grove. <laughs> it worked but you out. But never, you never did yoga there, did you? In In LA. the Grove? Not in, not in the Grove. Okay. I have my special vinyasa flow place yeah. that I like. Because really we've good. seen, we've stopped by on like a Sunday morning and like, like you a have whole all thing. Yeah, the all of the yeah. sea of women. Yeah, that's a whole thing. That's so dope. Yeah, it's so dope. Did you, did you do juicing? No, I'm not a juicer. I don't like juice. Oh, just overall? At all. Like, Too I'm, acidic. No, it's more just like, I don't, yeah, I don't need someone to come in and like pulverize shit for me. Hmm. You can do it yourself. I would would rather eat a salad any day. And did you, did you do uh, all the trails? No. Or the steps or whatever. You know what was my, oh, I did do the steps. (laughs) The move is going to um, Pixie in the Beverly Hills Soul Cycle at 9.30, 10.30 or 11.30 because Every bitch in there is from New York. It's like my favorite. It's like all your friends. <laughs> it's a new unemployment line. <laughs> yeah, totally. On every level. So like that was as much socializing as I did, I think. But now I'm back and it's the best. Yeah. So overall, like when you would go back and you're, you would see relatives at like, you know, a holiday or whenever you're going home for vacation, what do you, what did you tell them over the course of the years that you do? Were you just like, I'm a writer and that's what you guys should It was actually, call me. you know, I... <laughs> I decree that you call me a writer. No, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they understand that I write, but it's also like, you know, I have cousins who are so successful in their own fields. Like my cousin, Amy, she is the first one of us to get married. She married a Korean guy. She married a Korean guy who was a doctor. They busted <laughs> out their first child within that first year, a son. Yeah. And so it was just one of these things where, and she also is like a literal scientist. So I was just she's, like, she's perfect. Yeah. So yeah. she was perfect. She's very cute. And like, you know, I have other cousins who you are hate like her. No, I love her. She's the best. But like, <laughs> she's perfect. She, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> throw rocks at this <laughs> throne like that. Um, no, she and I have a bunch of cousins who are like in her really accomplished lawyers, and so they understand that I'm. Me and my brother are just kind of like 
living best life mm-hmm. and it's just sort of vague and fine but they're <laughs> extremely supportive of me my aunts and shit don't read my work my parents don't read my work i forbid them but they're huge ob trice fans <laughs> <laughs> true yeah. um that so- was a question that i had though because like i'm always like hesitant to talk about like some situations that happen when we're, when we're at a family function on this because like people might hear it or yeah, like totally. what if we reference them in something else we do i am so like like earmuffs psychologically when it comes to my parents or my parents relatives reading what I do because I mean I write about like weed I write about doing ecstasy I write about all this crazy shit you loved ecstasy I really do it's true (laughs) and when you're on it you love it more it's so weird (laughs) no and so like and I just suspend disbelief or something and it's so dumb that I just think that they're gonna go to the grave not knowing these things about me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also like you know I'm in my 30s and I'm unmarried and I don't have a child like I I'm doing really well in so far as disappointing them across the board. <laughs> so it's just like, it's totally fine. By the way, we've never shown our mom our video for Girls with the Dirty Souths. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like, as far as we know, yeah. Although now, she's going to Google the show. Well, no, there, she there is, to this podcast. Yeah, I don't, no, I don't, I don't think she listens to the podcast, but I do think that she probably like YouTubes us or like Googles us. Well, she probably has a good, uh, an alert going, guys. Uh, Come on. I don't think no. she's that advanced. <laughs> she's not that savvy. I know my mom and dad recently learned how to text. They're on Kakao Talk, which is like the, the messaging app that all Koreans use. <laughs> and so like, it's really, really cute because they're not demonstrative people. They're kind of, well, hi, they didn't come to my high school reunion. <laughs> my high school graduation. But now they emoji. And so now I can like suffuse so much meaning and emotionalness to what they're saying to me. Or are you projecting no, like whatever No, it's totally, it no, it's like all this pent up shit I've been holding onto for years. Like my father would like, like he shakes my hand and says, Mary Choi when we see each other at the airport after having not seen each other for several years. Does he have a sign? Yeah, is he your driver? No, but he's he's just very, like, formal. Like, we're not huggers. He shakes hands. You know, that's where he's at. And so, like, sometimes he'll send me, like, a bear that's just, like, filled with hearts and, like, has, like, hearts in his eyes and, like, you know, all this stuff. And, like, it's, like, the best. Yo, thank God for emojis. Yeah, those emojis sound amazing. And also, not for nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like he knows, you know, I feel like he's like, yeah, all the things here. (laughs) A bear with hearts in its eyes. Not the weird chickadee unicorn that's eating a sandwich. The bear with all the Oh, he takes the time. How do I get on Kakao Talk? You you have to be invaded. It's like Raya. (laughs) Can you, wait, can you, if you, so Rick Ross has a new thing, rickrossemoji.com. I saw with the little like Gucci flip flop with the little. Yeah. (laughs) And also like little Rick Ross, like throwing up like pears. Yeah. 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 So if you download that, yeah. can you use it in that app? And then can you send that to your know. father? I don't know. I don't know if you can have the keyboard mm. in there. I don't know. They That's come with their own. question, yeah. I totally. know you can I don't do know it via them. texting. Mm. But I feel like to go to another service. Yeah, I think they gotcha, have like they dedicated. Like, yeah. yeah. Because with the, the emoji packs, it, mm-hmm. it saves it as a um, like okay. an image file. Oh. oh, okay. So it's not the same thing as right, an right, actual right. emoji. Keyboard. Did you did you ever Kimoji? I did not Kimoji, and I didn't get the Mava emojis <laughs> either. <laughs> the Amber. Wow, By the way, neutral. Yeah. If I was her, 
my AKA Amber Rose would be Mother Teresa. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's <laughs> oh, pretty good. How do we get her on the podcast? <laughs> so you can use that I think and you then just have to like, think it and believe it. Oh, oh, yeah. I believe in the secret. Yeah. Let's, Let's put it on the world. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. um, yeah. Did you ever like just for fun read any of those books like the secret or any of those self-help? Yeah. No, but I'm a big fan. You know what? I read the shit out of all the Neil Strauss books, mm-hmm. like the game, like oh, right. the, mm-hmm. the workbook that accompanied the game that came <laughs> later. Um, and I read, you know, I read like the art of seduction, oh. the art of war, 48 laws, of power, like all of those. I worked in hip hop at a specific time in my life. Like, I read all of those. Yeah. Yo, have you met 50? Yeah. He's the most intense person. We went to, I think he just, you remember when he lived in like Mike Tyson's old house mm-hmm. in Connecticut and it had like three different discos and like there was one wall, I believe it was in the casino and it had Gucci <laughs> wallpaper. I met him in his own home. Whoa. Yeah. That's Were you how, invited that's how... or did you just show up like <laughs> in the backyard? I was wearing a cat suit. <laughs> I mean, I've seen the cribs, but like, what is it like? I rappelled down from a skylight. <laughs> um, it was cool. Like he was having an event there. And so he was eating sushi off these three girls. No, I'm kidding. No. Um, <laughs> he doesn't eat sushi. Come on, guys. No. no, he was busing in a bunch of people. I think he was shooting like an MTV oh, yeah. event or something like that. It was a really long time ago. Yeah. And um, Vanessa sat in at double um, XL invited me and so we went and it was really funny because I remember we walked in and it was just like everybody was like Mary's here yeah and they're like thank god this party walked up and oh, shook your hand and said Mary Choi totally um, no and he was so all these people were waiting and we were just being busted and we didn't really know what was happening and then um, I know it sounds like and then something terrible <laughs> happened no and he he was like sitting season two of True Detective yeah and he was <laughs> every level no that would have been great we would have killed it um he was sitting there in his own foyer in a hoodie with the hood pulled down low to see how everyone was behaving without knowing that he was there and i was like first of all that's weird second of all that's awesome (laughs) like how did i do i love all your art no and and so i i felt like that was an intense move and then his energy too like was also intense but yeah he's kind of amazing are you going to get into scripted TV? Are you getting into long form? I want to. I mean, I wrote a, a YA novel um, that needs to... I mean, <laughs> I believe my agent's note was like, yeah, you should you should change all of these things. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so I'm working on that. Good note. Um, Do you and- need like a title, like a, a strong word that's yeah, like yeah, yeah. divergent or, you know... Yeah, yeah totally. Indignant. Divergent three, yeah. yeah. I wrote a pilot for a particular talent in um you know they just it's so hard like and at the time they had signed with another company and so it was like a whole thing where Mm -hmm. then that person's rights became mired in another thing i am currently working with um a producer who's amazing and does a lot of like shorter like sitcom length things and so we're working together on something new but you know it's also with you know, all the magazine stories that I still have to write and like all, you know, cause like that's the thing about writing things on spec. It's like, you do need to do like one for me, one for lights and housing mm-hmm. and food. Right. So yeah. So I still do a lot of uh, magazine covers and I do a lot of magazine writing still, but then it subsidizes these other things that unfortunately do take a lot more time. Like it does take you like, it's weird. Like books take a long time to write. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so 
everyone like always seems to ask us because they're like okay television or opportunities in that world you mm-hmm. have to live in los angeles and we're like well we're new york guys are you guys staying here yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah we're staying interesting. here and we it's noble and, and <laughs> but there's there really isn't it's, it's ronery there yeah. really is an energy and a and a i don't know something to the city right sure. and and our everyday lives and whether that's like because we're not in a car for so long yeah, trying to get yeah, to someone's yeah, place yeah. or whatever it is. No, there is an anesthetized sort of like hermetically sealed quality to LA that after a while started bugging me out. Like I would, you know, after my TV job ended, I started writing other things and I was just like, yo, I might could not have talked to someone today. Yeah. And it's like you 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 downgrade the importance of like being able to just go to your bodega. Totally. As many times as you want in a day. Because that little frisson of like human interaction just changes your brain. By the way, how do you... I thought about this the other day because like... So I go down to Dunkin' Donuts like pretty much every morning. And all, <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah. all the guys and the girls down there, they all know me and they know my order. And I can just go, go in and not say anything and they yeah. got me, right? What do you do when you run into them around the corner and you're not at Dunkin' Donuts? Like, do you have this relationship with anybody like... God, but I'm like an awkward mess. So I, I'm the person who averts their eyes so noisily that like they notice and then think I'm a jerk. And then I'm like trying to get my phone out just as a decoy. Like I'm that person. I'm a mess. Do you do you do that when you see someone like who have I seen? The guy who cuts my hair. The but um, sometimes I feel like it's like you know when you don't understand that your teacher can be at the grocery store when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're not in the bodega. Like, do they know who you are, or do they think that they just went to high school with you? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, because you never. I have that thing all the time where I'm like, "Are you famous? Did I go to school with you?" I'm like, <laughs> "No, you do my nails." <laughs> See, but like, I'll have like I'll have conversations with anybody. Really, that's yeah. so nice. That's like, noble like, too. Yeah, like. Oh, so wait, going back to your whole thing. So you're doing TV from out here. Yeah. yeah. How are you? What I mean, are you filming? I was actually yeah, just reading. Film a, here. I was reading an article in the Times about how filming is coming back to the city because of all these tax breaks mm. and how like that happens everything's every so coming often. back. Yeah, I mean, but our thing was also sold as this is a New York City like story. So mm-hmm. also, we're fucking lazy. I'm not going to move across the Canada. country. Yeah, for I was going to yeah. say we're going to go to Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great. No, I mean that's nice actually. I think that that definitely applies a certain energy to it, and not because I'm that person who needs to be like, oh my god, look. They Can got I be this on? Show. Yeah, yeah they we got... get it, Mary. Yeah. Like... <laughs> no, like, or even like, oh my god, do you know where that street is? It's the aerial view from blah blah blah. It's not that. It's just like. The one thing I will say about L.A. that is awesome. Mm-hmm. Is that we would get some color. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that a vein? <laughs> um, no, and and um, our friend Eddie Wong said this because he has a place out there too. And he was just like, yo, L.A. is like rehab. Hmm. And I've repeated this story so many times because there are elements of that to it. And I know you guys don't partake, but... It's it's like being in study hall for like a year. You know what I mean? You get so much done. You're so prolific because there's so little distraction. We go to L.A. for a week at a time, right? Mm-hmm. And since we know we're there for a week at a time, it's like let's pew, stuff pew, as pew, much pew. Yeah, in totally. there as possible. So I think like that's our L.A. experience. We haven't lived there for – But Eddie what? lives in a place where it is like rehab. Yeah, it's true. It's very well, serene and West remote. Side, that's really hard to get to where well, we he's from. like living like further down the coast. Right. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying is like you ever like – did you guys write your first script yet? We're in the middle of it. It takes okay. a while. It takes a while. Yeah. The weird thing is this part, like when you're actually like greenlit and you're like, oh, fuck, I have to write all mm-hmm. these things. I swear to you, be up here, but also like if you can grab like two, three weeks out in LA, I swear you'll get so much done. It's weird. Hmm. It's like if someone took all the social media apps off your phone. <laughs> like It's like you're just efficient because you're 
so bored that you're like just cowed into capitulating to the work and then you just fucking do it so if you're going to write a book, are you like purposefully going somewhere where you're not going to have cell service and not going to have Actually, distractions? I did the reverse. I like came here to write my book hmm. and I would just hold up in um, my friend's boyfriend's apartment because he was out of town and I just busted it out. Hmm. 50 cent? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right I by did, the Gucci wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I did it in his salon. <laughs> no, um, no, and that was, that was good. But like sometimes a change of pace just to get it out is not bad. Okay. For us, like... The hip hop community is so vibrant and like in a different, like, L.A. We've heard that it's very spread out. Like, there's and it's no... kind of awesome because in L.A. you have the luxury of like hanging out. Like, I remember, you know, I when I did the Earl Sweatshirt cover for Fader, mm-hmm. I went to his house, and it was just you know he's a child, so it's like <laughs> it's just like blunt guts and like a weird beanbag that's leaking, <laughs> like, <laughs> just like mysterious hair, but no animal, you know, just that kind of crib and so like everyone would come over and they would play video games and they would hang out or whatever mm-hmm. and so you have that hangout mentality and also like weed is plentiful and like everybody's like so faded right mm-hmm. and that makes a different type of product and it makes a different type of music and i do think it makes it a little bit more collaborative and i was interviewing um our friend jenna wortham when mm-hmm. she did um that story on said the kid and the internet and we were just talking sort of offline and she was like you know the vibe is really interesting mm-hmm. with the way la people make stuff especially la music people especially la young music people who are very high mm-hmm. and so it is just a different thing like yeah I, I, we we went over to mac miller's house when he owned his house yeah wait did you sit in the pool room? Uh, yes. Where, with his recording studio? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh-huh. the, the yeah. Buddha? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, the beanbag, wherever. Yeah, the beanbag, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I, too, have been in, yeah. <laughs> in Malcolm's recording studio. He played us so many records that never came out that had amazing features and, and I feel like, cool. you know what? He still makes money. I love oh, his yeah. particular trajectory. I love how fucking rich he stays. Totally. It's so admirable. But that, But that house was like... A playground for anybody yeah. and everybody of a certain age to come through. But you know what they didn't have? What's that? A mailbox. They did not. Yeah. So do is, you remember- it, is that baller? <laughs> no. It's, and it's, I'll tell like you why. So baller oh, you that find it. No, no, we we uh, when we when we did our first mixtape in 2013, we had these shirts uh, that were Khaled inspired back then. Yeah. From We the Best because you would wear these giant shirts that said like We the Best. Mm-hmm. We made ours. O U I the best right <laughs> and so we ran with that and we sent t-shirts to certain That's people like a jeremiah song like now so we sent so we sent the t-shirt we were like hey can we send one to you he's like sure and quentin who's his right hand man yeah. was like yeah send it here cool and so we did and then we're like you get it yet and they're like no we didn't get it yet okay cool and after a certain period of time it showed up in our mailbox as return to sender and i was like what happened and was like, it okay, turned yeah. out, yeah. yeah, they have no mailbox. And he was like, oh, like maybe usually, they just threw it over the... No, he's like, usually the mailman will throw it over the fence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. But that's like where you're like, oh, so you guys are playing house in a mansion. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. No, I, I remember I went to um, Rocky's house and his house was like great. And it was really, really close to um, a very Tony area. And same vibe. It's just like everyone was just on his roof. I was just like, this is great. I can interview you, but also everyone shut up. <laughs> like, yeah. But that really is... So, like, so California is cool. Like if, you, if, you're, if you're trying to, quote, build fam, <laughs> you know, I think it would work out for you. Yeah. But yeah, I do think 
it's like it's it's a very different thing. I think the 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 rap scene there is really really different. By the way, I hope on your podcast you have a lot of these guys on there because they haven't gone through the college experience. Like That's true. their college experience is Mac Miller's pool, like you know, room or whatever. <laughs> totally. Have you ever tried to do any writing post high school back in Texas? No, I didn't start writing until I was I essentially launched a magazine no but i mean now have oh. you gone yeah, home gone back and yeah. been like I got am, that vibe you know what i'm really i really really want to do this because i bet it's very specific it is very specific the, the one project i do want to do is that my mother is my favorite person like i'm obsessed with her she's like really great i've written about her you just won't let her see you no it's true it's true <laughs> i've written about her a lot and i definitely want i kind of would love to just Record what she says every day for like a summer and also get all her recipes out of like just scoop them out of her head (laughs) so that they don't die with her (laughs) because I feel like she has a lot of knowledge in very specific arenas that I would love to preserve. And I mean, do you guys have that where you just like where you're like, I mean, maybe you guys talk to your parents a lot more. But when you are um, when you and your parents don't share a mother tongue. And so when one one of you have like a proficiency that just like f- is so like un- right. you know yeah. crazy versus the other it's like we can't ever communicate honestly like I'm always talking to her like I'm a third grader hmm. or she's talking to me like I'm a third grader huh. so we're missing a lot of nuance and yeah. so there there are certain things where like one I want to preserve what she says and I want to do it um and I would love for it to be translated hmm. I think that is like that might be a distance then like yeah um with us like our mom lives uh on the east side and so her being as in of the of city <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love that sorry of a uh, university city she goes to the um she goes to the movie theater a lot yeah. um no she lives on the east side and so like we're able to see her right if we have business often. there we can stop by yeah and then like also because our father passed away what like six years ago now mm-hmm. so then like you know our mom calls us like a lot yeah and so in terms of getting knowledge um i wish that i had gotten financial knowledge from dad <laughs> like having worked at ibm and Citibank and yeah. like, right. being like a very responsible adult like yeah. i never i never got that i found a, pa- a paper from like 2007 that he had given me that said like hey you need to check this out um and it was like an ir roth ira thing yeah. oh shit and it nice. was like yeah like open like make Let sure me you tell take you about this. how amortizing yeah. and i had never opened it until 2016 so like nine years of me being like wait i should probably open this <laughs> i had i had papers like that like some sort of uh like just compilation of tax forms or something yeah, right like a- at the t- of the top shelf of like my bookcase and one day like a post-it that was i guess attached to one of them just fell down and all it said was good luck love dad and so i take that as like a nice thing yeah. but really it could have been just like good luck you yeah, know yeah, yeah. <laughs> pal yeah totally i was like what if that post-it fluttered down and it said destiny's child or whatever <laughs> <laughs> what was what was like the actual story behind the name of that it was like a bookmark stuck in the Bible that she pulled out, and it was like the I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. There's like a weird story behind that, and now I have to Google it. Yeah. All I've I know. I'm um, leaving uh, B and lemon emoji under all of my enemies, hoping that, <laughs> hoping that the beehive will just follow my That's lead. That's like the raindrop umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, if you don't have an emoji to represent your album title, are you what, really doing? Did anything? we decide what the views? emoji was was it the single eyeball is it the mm. looky loo sideways eyeball is it the one thing that i think looks he wants it to be the looky the, sideways um, eyeball? Yeah, the single eyeball what about the one that looks like an eyeball but in a thought bubble 
that was kind of like the Illuminati looking. Wow. I would have picked that one. I like to think, is there one that's like, um, maybe like the running man (laughs) and then like you like have like a house. (laughs) True. Do you, do you like the album by the way? Um, actually, it's, it's only been like a couple days, so. Well, I can't because PopCon isn't on. <laughs> no, no, I mean, actually, funnily enough, I was confiding to um, some friends on my way over here. I was late because I was buying a Raph Simmons jacket. But <laughs> um, we were talking. I was just like, I have only listened to two thirds of it. And mm-hmm. I feel really guilty. I feel like I'm walking around with like unfinished business. <laughs> and. Just say, like, oh, like, you know, it's pretty good, but, like... It's a little disparate. I feel like it's a little, Yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's kind of... But I really feel like if I sit with it, it will grow (laughs) on me, much like Auntie, you know? Um, Um, It's a classic, and or I have deep problems with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but also, it's it's funny, because we are... You know, we're just... It's like an embarrassment of riches. It's like... You know, the whole concept of, like, um, what is it? Cultural homework or cult- eat your cultural, eat your something vegetables where you have to, like, learn about, like, politics and, like, policy and, like, whatever. I feel the same way about, like, just Drake albums. <laughs> like, we're, what a time to be alive. You know? Am I right? <laughs> it's like our homework is so entertaining. It's so, so good. I feel like, yeah, there's just, like, now Chance the Rapper is putting on a new album. Like, there's just so much and it's hard to keep up. It's a lot. It is hard to keep up. Do you feel pressure? Did you watch Lemonade as soon as it was happening on HBO? I felt there was pressure and we watched it an hour after it aired. Yeah, well, I Fashion had, me late. <laughs> I had a meeting at Rock Nation on Monday and I was like, I can't show up even in that vicinity. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't not done my homework. Did you sit in the gold couch? No, I did not. Oh. I just, it's, you know, it doesn't look that inviting. Uh, it's pretty cool, though. No, it's pretty no, cool. It's pretty cool. No yeah. disrespect. Yeah. By the way, so uh, we we share uh, our our good friend David Cho yes. um, lends us like he Jeff Jeff gives him his Netflix and David gives us his his HBO Go Go account. Nice. So we turned it on. David texted us and said, um, "Have you guys seen it yet?" And we're like, "We're just tuning in right now." So I start it and it goes into the song and like you know i know as much as i've sort of like gathered from what was going on online right. and i didn't want to read anything on, yeah, yeah, on twitter yeah, yeah, yeah. and have an idea going in but i had an idea and so it starts off and it is a song and i see uh you know she's she's sort of upbeat mm-hmm. i feel like she's walking with purpose and then there's clips from her and jay and and Blue Ivy, mm-hmm. and the whole thing, and everyone, everything looks happy, and then it goes, and then it says, Lemonade, a film by Beyonce Knowles Carter, and it starts showing the credits, and I was just like, that's a weird opening, and it turns out that, like, David had just been yeah, finishing well, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. hate that. I, oh. <laughs> Are you guys going to go to Formation? Um, I think it's it'd be cool to go. I went a- to her last show with Jay on the run okay. tour, and I was not impressed. Also, are we okay. welcome as as men? That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't cheat on Beyonce. I think I'm fine. <laughs> That's true. You are leaving right. lemons you, and bees. You are not Becky with a good hair. You're fine. No. My hair is, has been shorn by my awful barber. <laughs> and if you see him outside, you'll have a word with Punch him in the face. <laughs> Mary, thanks so much for coming through. Thanks for having me. This yeah. is so fun. So fun. <laughs> thanks, everyone, for listening to A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Jeff, if they want to find more of these episodes, just like this one, where can they go? You can go on SoundCloud.com slash A Waste of Time or on iTunes, A Waste of Time with It's The Real. We're also on Instagram, It's The Real. We're also on Twitter at It's The Real. You wait, can find us on Facebook at It's The Real. You can. Wait, we should tell the people that if you have an Android phone, 
you can now go on Google Play and find Wasted Time with It's The Real. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, there's another option, too, I feel like. I, there's lots of options. If you Google a Wasted Time with It's The Real, you'll find, like, all 51 of our episodes out there. Oh, we're getting real close to uh, a one-year anniversary. One-year anniversary. Is for a couple weeks, we put out two episodes in one week, which right. sort of, like, fucks with the numbers. So it's somewhere in the vicinity of, like, May... Late May, May twenty something. Who so, knows? I mean, we just should wait probably, for it. We should probably double check. Yeah, double if down. If you really want to be there for the anniversary, just keep listening. I don't yeah, know. it'll show up. Please go to iTunes, leave a nice review for us. Say a say a, a prayer. I don't know. Leave something nice for us there that we can find. A little Easter egg. Yeah, it's just like the uh, Wailing Wall. Yes. Yeah. Although I don't think I haven't been to the Wailing Wall, and I'm not sure that this is the case, Jeff. But it sounds like you go there and you take something. I think you have to leave it. If you've been to the Wailing Wall, leave a comment on <laughs> iTunes and let us know how it works because we don't know and we're bad. Listen, go tell a friend about a waste of time with it's the real Jeff. Do you have a friend to tell? Yes, I was going to shout out Julia Rubin, well, but we already did that in the podcast, so I'm not going to do it for this part. She can also tell a friend, but I was going to say to Emily O'Connor, Emily O'Connor, out in Utah, mm-hmm. she should tell a friend, preferably not her brother Jake. All right, well, I'm going to shout out somebody that we mentioned in the podcast, but we didn't mention his name shout out to bob blake who we moved into that sixth floor walk up bob you listen to the podcast you're traveling a lot you have a lot of time you have a yeah, lot he's of going stairs to like taipei and stuff a lot of stairs up and down to to, to listen to Chinese our podcast staircase. listen meet your neighbors tell them about a waste of time with it's the real and we'll probably be back again next week what do you say yeah we still have to figure out who we're gonna get on the podcast for next week but we'll do it <laughs> we'll do it it is our job yeah all right we'll see you then Thank you.